discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified. church so today i want to share some few things with you that i believe will help you hallelujah so um we've been sharing on uh, the first principles of the doctrine of christ and we've been using hebrews chapter 6 from verse 1 it says therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of christ let us go on unto perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So we started off with repentance from dead works, isn't it? How many of you remember what we said about that? Then we went on to faith towards God. Faith towards God. Then we jumped to laying on of hands. Do you remember? Then we came back to the doctrine of baptisms last week. So there are two more left. The next one is end of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment so today we are going to talk about resurrection of the dead say resurrection Resurrection. say it again Resurrection. resurrection of the dead now if you've noticed he didn't say the resurrection of the dead he said resurrection of the dead meaning that there's more than one type of resurrection there are various types of resurrection okay and uh, the first thing we are going to do is to define what resurrection is. So what is resurrection? Resurrection is from the Greek word anastasis. From what we get, anastasia. So if you, you have anybody called anastasia, her name means resurrection. Okay, anastasis. And it means to raise up or stand up again to raise up again or to stand up again hallelujah say to raise up again or to stand up again okay to raise up again or rise up from the dead i mean it's, it's all the same okay now let's read john chapter 11 verse 21 to 26 resurrection is very important it's called the gospel of the gospels Okay, it's very, very important. It's called the gospel of the gospels. Without a clear understanding of what resurrection is, a Christian will be a worldly Christian. The challenge that the body of Christ is having today is because of a lack of revelation of this particular um, subject. Okay? If you don't know about resurrection, you'll be a very worldly Christian. You will not know that there's something beyond what you are seeing now. The reason why we are having the challenges in the body of Christ is because of a lack of information concerning this particular thing. It's very important. There's a day coming when there shall be a raising up. When there shall be a rising up once again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The life that you're living today 
will end on a certain day. But after it has ended, physically, there's a day coming when you shall come back to life once again. It's not a small thing. It will happen practically in your life, in everybody's life. So in John chapter 11, verse 21, Jesus revealed himself as the resurrection and the life. You know, Martha, how many of you remember Martha and Mary? Martha and Mary were very good friends to Jesus Christ. And um, their brother had died. Their brother Lazarus had died. And Jesus had said initially that he was going to come because he was ill initially. So they told him and he said, oh, we'll come and come and pray for him. But then he didn't go. And he died. And after four days, Jesus said that he was coming to come and raise him from the dead. So Martha was surprised. So then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here earlier, my brother would not have died. I know you. If you pray for him, I know I've seen you healing the sick so many times. I know you. If you had prayed for him, he would have become better. But because you didn't come early, my brother has died. Next verse. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou ask of God, God will give it to you. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Your brother will rise again. But Martha thought Jesus was talking about the day of the resurrection. There's a day of resurrection that is known by everybody who has ever lived. All those who have known God for years, since the beginning, have known that there's a day coming when the dead shall rise again. And that death is not the end. So Jesus said, said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So there's a resurrection at the last day. And Martha knew it. Every Jew knew it. All those who were proselytes. Proselytes were people who were not born Jews but believed in Judaism. They all knew it. People who weren't even Jews knew it. So it's something that is there. It's clear that one day there shall be a rising up again. Then Jesus says something. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. That last day that you're talking about, I am that last day. I am the resurrection and I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. Next verse. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Then he asked her, believest thou this? Do you believe what I'm talking about? Do you believe that I am the resurrection? So Jesus is the resurrection. There are two aspects of resurrection, okay? In terms of uh, what it really is. The first aspect is the resurrection life which you receive, and that's, that's what we have now as children of God. When you become born again, you receive the resurrected life, the death-conquering life of Christ. Christ rose from the dead and gave us that resurrected life, that life that he had when he got out of the dead. is the same life he has given to us. It's called eternal life. So that aspect is there. It's, there's the resurrected life, but that's what we are going to talk about. Then the second aspect is the hope of the church. Okay? Resurrection with respect to the hope of the church. That's what we are going to talk about. Hallelujah. Okay, so what are we saying? Resurrection is the hope of the church. Without which Christians become worldly. It is the hope of the church. So it means the rising up or standing up once again. It also is the hope of the church. It will happen practically one day. Let me show you verses that show that Resurrection will definitely happen one day. First John chapter 3. Let's read from verse. From verse 1, he says that, Behold, what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Then he says, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, 
we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Say, now are we the sons of God. Say it once again. Now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. Then he says, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, the word appear is phanerosis. Have you heard of phanerosis before? Phanerosis means to make open, to declare openly what was hidden before. So he says, when Christ shall appear, Christ exists, but he's not visible to the physical eye. It doesn't mean that he does not exist. He does exist. And he will appear one day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says that when Christ shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Look at the next verse. And every man that has this hope, say this hope. Every man that has this hope, it's called the hope of the church. Every man that has this hope in him, purifies himself even as he is pure. Have you seen it? So there's a day coming when Christ shall appear. He shall show up. He shall fanaro. And when he fanaros, we shall fanaro with him. Hallelujah. Look at Titus chapter 2 verse 11. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto us, unto all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Then he says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Looking for that one, blessed hope. It's called the blessed hope. And the appearing, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's a day when Jesus will appear. The resurrection coincides with the second coming of Christ. Okay? I'll explain it to you. But it coincides with the rapture at the same time. So many things will happen at the same time. And one of the major things that's going to happen is going to be our resurrection. Hallelujah. So he says, looking for, as a child of God, he says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should what? We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. So every Christian should be looking for this blessed hope. You should be living with this in expectation, with this in mind, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then look at 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively word. I said resurrection is called the hope of the church, and I'm trying to explain to you with scriptures. Am I helping you? Yeah. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, has given birth to us again. This is called the born again experience. He's begotten us again unto a lively hope or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Next verse. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. Wow. Next verse. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time ready to be revealed there's a certain salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time there are different types of salvation there are these seven types but let me mention three for you okay 
The first type of salvation is called initial salvation. Initial salvation. And it has to do with the spirit. So sometimes it's called the salvation of the spirit. Okay? And you need faith. It is through faith. We experience initial salvation through something called faith. And it is for the spirit. It is for our spirits. Hallelujah. Paul talks about eternal salvation. How that God, Christ has obtained eternal redemption for us. Do you see? That is how we become born again. The day you receive Christ, you receive Christ by faith. For by grace I saved through faith. That is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, please. For by grace I saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So this happens immediately you become, you receive Christ. When you receive Christ, you receive Christ by faith and then you become saved. But that salvation is strictly for your spirit. Okay? It's called the salvation of the spirit. Then the second type of salvation is called progressive salvation. Progressive salvation. And that is for the soul. Hallelujah. And it is through something called love. Okay? The salvation of the soul, which is also called progressive salvation. That is why we come to church every time. That is why we are born again into a community of believers. That is why you must be involved with a certain group of Christians who will compel you to grow. Okay? My offending you and you offending is what causes us to grow in the Lord. Our offending each other and saying things to each other that we don't like is what causes us to grow. Our study of the scriptures together, our listening to the word of God together like this is what causes us to grow. Our experiencing the spirit together is called the assembling together of ourselves. It's very important. Without that, you cannot experience progressive salvation, which is the salvation of the soul. James 1.20. Look at James 1.20. For the rather man worketh not the righteousness of God, then verse 21 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So your soul is not saved. Your soul is being saved. It's progressive. Say it's progressive. Until the day you die, your soulical salvation does not cease. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Look at Hebrews 10, 38. This is the reason why a lot of Christians are worldly. If they knew what was coming, they would have changed their lives. They would have become correct a long time ago. But there are Christians who are into Shatawali and all kinds of things. Because they don't understand what is coming. They don't know. They don't know. You can skip church for Shatawali. Yes, because you don't have understanding. I'm trying to give you understanding. I don't blame you for all the things you've done in, the, in time past. That was time past. But now God is commanding you because you are going to get revelation. You are going to get knowledge concerning what he's saying. So don't let the knowledge skip you by. Don't let the knowledge skip you by. If it passes you by, you will go for another 20 years before this may come back to you. And your life will be bereft of a lot of things. You would have lost so much in 20 years. It's very important. When I was going through this particular uh, message when I was preparing to come and share it with you, I was thinking about some friends I have who have passed on, and some people I know who have passed on who did not have any knowledge concerning this. I'm wondering where they are in heaven, even if they are in heaven. I'm wondering where they are. It's very important. Okay, so he says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Verse 39. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So there's something called the salvation of the soul. And it is through love. It is through love. You are built up. It's not by faith. It's by love. You are built up as a child of God by love. Your love is what is tested. Your maturity is dependent on your love. If someone has matured in the Lord, is dependent on his love for the brethren, his love for God, his love for his ministers, his love for those who are around him. 
You can't be speaking in tongues, and not love your neighbor, and not love your brother. You're a joke. You're a joker. You're a complete joker. It's very important. Agape. Being kind to people who are not nice to you. Yeah. So it's very important. Your love must grow. You must grow in love, okay? Then the third kind of salvation that we have is called the completing salvation, which is for our body. And it is through something called hope. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now by the faith, hope, and love, these three, by the greatest of these is love. Because love is what will move you to hope. Without love, you can't move to hope. So the complete salvation is the salvation of the body, and it is through hope. Okay? And it happens through something called resurrection. Hallelujah. It happens through something called resurrection. So let's look at some more scriptures that show that this is really the hope of the church. Okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 22. Romans 8, 22 to 25. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain until now. He's talking about the world. It's that everything in the world is travailing in pain. Everything in the world is, is desiring its deliverance from bondage. Lions do not actually want to chew antelopes. That's not what they were created for. They were created initially to chew grass. But now they have been compelled to chew flesh because of the sin of Adam. When Adam sinned, all of creation was subjected to something called decay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are not supposed to grow old and die. No. That was not what God designed. Plants are not to grow and wither. The sun is not supposed to destroy. The sun is supposed to cause things to grow and cause things to flourish and maintain things in its original state. But because of man's sin, Adam's sin did not just destroy his life. It destroyed the whole of creation because the whole of creation was given to Adam. So he says, even creation, the whole of creation groans and travails in birth, in pain, together until now. Next verse. And not only they, but ourselves also, we too also groan, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. That is those of us who are born again. Even we ourselves grow within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. What is the adoption? It's called the euthesia, the maturing of the sons of God. We are waiting for the day when we are fully matured and declared to be the sons of God with respect to our glory. There are two types of sons of God in the Bible. There's a son of God by birth and there's a son of God by virtue of growth and maturity. So we are sons of God by virtue of birth because God has given birth to us. In James 1.18, he says that for by his own will be he us. Okay, he's given birth to us. We are born of God, that's the truth. But the fact that we are born of God does not mean that everything is done. We must now grow in the Lord. And our growth in the Lord is called the adoption of sons. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he says that for we ourselves grow within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wait the redemption of our body, which is the redemption of our body. So the completing aspect of the adoption of sons is the redemption of our body, the salvation of our body. This same body of yours will change one day and will not be limited by tiredness, by weakness, by sickness, by space and time and volume and matter. It will not be limited by any of those things. You will be able to appear and disappear at will. <laughs> you will not need makeup to be beautiful. You will always be beautiful because your face will always be shining. There's a day coming like that. Look at the next verse, verse 24. For we are saved by what? 
We are saved by hope. What salvation is he talking about? He's not talking about the salvation of our spirits. He's talking about the salvation of our body. Remember what he's talking about. He says, for we are saved by hope. But hope that the sin is not hope. For what a man yet, why does he yet hope for? So there's a day coming that our body shall be transfigured, shall be, shall be changed. Look at Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. Philippians 3 20. For our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven. As we are sitting here right now, one of the, the places where we are actually living is in heaven. Heaven is both a place and a state. Okay? Say heaven is both a place, is both a place and a state. You see, you can be sitting here right now. You are in church. You are sitting in this location. But your mind may not be here. Your mind may be in another state. Do you get it? Your mind may be visiting your beloved. Or your mind may be in a car right now talking to your mom. Making some decisions on what to do. Or your mind may be eating um, gobe or antimuniwache, something. So even though you are physically here, your mind may not be here. Heaven is also like that. Even though we are not physically sitting in heaven, we are mentally in that state of heaven. And we are spiritually in that state of heaven because we have been plunged there. The Bible talks about how that we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 2, Ephesians 2, 6, says, And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we are sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. Even though physically you are not sitting there, spiritually you are sitting there. And it's dependent on you to let your mind be there. That's why in Colossians 3, 1, it says that if you then be risen with Christ... Then he says, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your affection, set your mind, set your emotions, set everything concerning you on things above. The word born again means to be born from above or to be born from heaven. Genao anoden. It's the same thing that he's saying here. He says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Next verse. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. He's talking about the day when Christ shall appear, the resurrection. So, go back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our conversation, or our life, our, our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also, from heaven also we look for the Savior. He says we are in heaven now, and from heaven we are looking for our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. Ah. He's not talking about the salvation of the Spirit. Because salvation of the Spirit is what brings you into heaven. He says, we are, our citizenship is in heaven. And from heaven, we also expect the coming of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body? Who shall change? Hmm? He shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working where he is able to even subdue all things unto himself. Who shall change our vile body? The word change is metaschematizo. It means to change the fashion of, to change the nature of, to change the manner of. That's what it means. And the word vile, let me show you what the word vile means. Vile means death doomed, death bound. He calls this body death doomed and death bound. No matter what you do, this body will still die. No matter what you do, you will see that there are wrinkles appearing on your face with time. No matter what you do, your breast will just fall with time. No matter what you do. I mean, we can do, uh, what's it called? Uh, plastic surgery as much as you want. You realize that still, the body is just decaying with time. No matter how much you try to hold things up, 
like the bottoms are falling, you want to hold the bottoms up, but still it falls anyway. What a shock. There's a day coming when it will not fall again. Don't you want to experience such a day? I think the ladies, all ladies should be interested in resurrection. Because there's a day coming when none of those things will happen anymore. Decay will be brought to an end. You receive a glorious body. This body, same body, will change to become a glorious body. Hallelujah. So vow means what? Death bound. Death doomed. Low estate. The Greek word is tapenosis. But don't worry about it. Jesus is still Lord. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? If Christ is preached that he rose from the dead, how, are some, how come some of you are saying that there is no resurrection of the dead? The belief, the Christian belief, is based on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And Paul is explaining here. He says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. All that we are doing is foolishness. And your faith is also vain because you believed in the resurrection of Christ. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then it means that our faith is vain, our believing is vain, our preaching is vain. Next verse. Yea, and we have found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. Whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. Next verse. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. And ye are yet in your sins. It says your faith is vain and you are yet in your sins. Because it's the resurrection of Christ that makes us come out of our sins. Next verse. Then they also which are falling asleep in Christ or dead in Christ are perished. It means that there's no hope for them again. There's no hope for them again. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then all those who have died in the Lord, believing in the Lord, they have perished. They have gone. They have gone into oblivion. It's finished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Thank God that it's not only in this life that we have hope. There's a hope that there's a day coming when the Lord shall arise. Hmm. It will be like a movie. The Lord shall arise and we shall arise with him. So we have hope. So when someone dies, we don't cry much. It's painful. My father died two years ago. I'm yet to cry up to date. Um, I don't know why. Just yesterday, my wife was telling me I have to cry. I said, I'm thinking about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've still not cried because I know. You know, we buried one of her grandmothers, very nice grandmother, yesterday. I think one of the nicest women I've met in my life. We buried her yesterday. And she wasn't crying in a certain way. So she, we were discussing resurrection yesterday. Just like, it's like she knows that there's a hope that she will see her one day. So it is not causing her to cry in a certain way. She's crying like this, small. But if it were before, she would have cried with, with, with style. Like, I don't know if you know the funeral, the mourners. You know we have professional mourners in the system. Those who cry and lift their legs. I mean, all kinds of, they say all kinds of things. Some people want to be fall on the casket and enter there. It's not a small thing. People can cry because for most people, it is the end. They don't know that there's a day coming when everybody shall rise again. And all the people you, 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 feel, you feel you have lost will all come back. Hallelujah. So it's called the hope of the church. Say the hope of the church. Yeah. And we live in expectation of it. Okay? Can I show you some more? All right. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's read from verse 12. I want you to see how that it is the same body that you are in now. The same body that you are in now is what 
will be raised from the dead. You know, when Jesus died, the body that he had before he died is the same body he took when he came back from the dead. It's the same body that was lying in the grave. Do you remember? In the tomb. That he went back into and brought back out. And right now, he's sitting in heaven with that same body. So it is the same body of yours that shall be raised again from the dead one of these days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, all things are lawful unto me. This is 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Verse 13. Meat for the belly, or food for the belly, and the belly for meats, or the stomach for food. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. He says, this body is not for fornication. It is for the Lord. And the Lord is also for the body. Next verse. Verse 14. And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. He will raise the same body up by his own power one day. So you have to be careful what you do with this, your body, that you are sitting down here with. Someone said that don't let your body lead you to hell and not be there for you to suffer. Eh? It is true to an extent because in hell, this body is not there because this body will be lying up here and your soul and your spirit will be in hell. But when you are advancing to the lake of fire, your body that was here, that led you to hell, will be raised up again and fashioned anew and given back to you so that you can suffer with it in the lake of fire. Yes, it's called the resurrection of the unjust. I'll talk about it in some few seconds. God is not joking. He's very serious. Sometimes when we say some of these things, people look at us, oh, all these things are not true. It's not true. God is love. Brother, God is love. But he's also the judge of the universe. Just imagine if your father is a judge. Okay? You know him as father because when he comes home, he's nice to you. Everything is fine. But when he goes to the court and he sits down with his whatever, and he tries people, he tries thieves and takes them to prison, gives them punishments that are by law. Do you understand? Same person. Just that the role has changed. He's now functioning as a judge. He was functioning as your father before. But now he's functioning as a judge. God is both our father and also a judge of the universe. So there's a day coming when he will sit down as a judge of the universe and judge the universe. And he will judge according to the books. He will judge according to the books. Hmm. So, what are we going to do? Let's look at the two kinds of resurrection. There are two kinds of resurrections, okay? So two kinds of resurrection. I think I've started talking about it even. Two kinds of resurrection. The first one is called the resurrection of the unjust. The second kind is called the resurrection of the just. The resurrection of the unjust and the resurrection of the just. So let's pick the first one. The resurrection of the unjust. Who are the unjust? The unjust are those who did not give their lives to Christ. All those who did not give their lives to Christ. When Jesus came, you see, there are two groups of people that are dealt with. Jesus died for all men, including those he did not come to meet here on earth. So all those who came and existed before Jesus existed, Christ died for all of them as well. All those that came after Christ, that is us, we've never met Jesus before, but he died for all of us as well, including those who live after us. Maybe 2,205, year 2,205, there will still be some people here on earth. And the earth will still be revolving. Everything will still be fine. 
but we will not be here. You may not live beyond 2070. Do you know you may not live beyond 2070? Yeah. We are in what? Let's say we are in 2020. Plus 50 years will be what? 2070, isn't it? Yeah. What is your age now? Add 50 years to it, you realize that you are working like this. You, I don't know if you are realizing. You may not be around in 2050. Or let's, let's say 2080, you will not be around. But there's a probability that 2200, there will be human beings here on earth. Everything will still be going on. Fine. And all those people, Christ died for them as well. Yes. So all those who, did, who died outside of the Lord. You see, the, God has existed for a very long time. God has been around for a very, very long time. And God has been known by man for a very, very long time. From Adam to date, man has always chosen where he would go to. All those in the days of Noah, who had the flood destroying, okay, are in hell. But there's a day coming when all of them will be put in the lake of fire. That's what I was talking about. There's a, it's called the resurrection of the unjust. All the unjust shall be brought back to life. Let me show you scriptures to show what I'm talking about. They will all be, everybody, those who are past, those who are coming. If our children's children's children don't live for the Lord, all of them will be, will be classified as unjust. If they don't receive Christ, they'll be classified as unjust. And they'll go to hell first of all. Hell is just a waiting place. The main place, the main incarceration place is called the lake of fire. It's a lake of fire. There's no entertainment there. Do you understand? Some people think that there'll be a detention. Everybody will be there, like Bob Marley. You'll be surprised who you'll meet in heaven. You'll be shocked who you'll meet in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 24, verse 14. Acts 24, 14. This is Paul talking, defending himself before uh, someone. Okay, he says, But this I confess unto you, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets. Verse 15. And have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. There shall be a resurrection. Everybody believes it. Paul was preaching about resurrection, and he was arrested for preaching about the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead, and we're going to beat him and kill him. And a centurion came to pick him up. So he was explaining to a centurion what had happened. He says, so, I'm just, what they are calling heresy is something that everybody believes. I was just preaching about resurrection, which they all allow, they all talk about in their synagogues. They all believe in the resurrection of the dead, both of the just and of the unjust. They all believe it. So why are you arresting me? Are you seeing it? So there's a resurrection of the just and of the unjust. Go to Daniel chapter 12. Let's read from verse 2 to verse 3. Daniel 12, 2 to 3. Let's read from verse 1 so that it makes more sense, okay? At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. This is Daniel. Daniel came way before John and all those who came. But he knew about the same information. Even Isaiah knew about the same information. He says, and many of them that sleep in the dust, or many of them that are dead, shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to everlasting shame and contempt. So the resurrection of the just is also called the resurrection unto everlasting shame and everlasting contempt. Same thing. It's also called the resurrection of the damned, or the resurrection unto damnation. You are brought back to life, and the next thing is that you are damned. You are declared guilty. Hallelujah. Let's go to John 5, 28, first of all. John 5, 28. This is Jesus talking. Jesus also spoke about it. He says, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. They shall hear my voice. And shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, 
and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Are you saying it? Unto the resurrection of damnation. Hmm. So they are brought back to life, but then they are giving a body, okay? They are given a body and cast into the lake of fire to experience something called the second death. That's written in Revelation chapter 20. Go to Revelation 20, 13. I don't know if you like that I'm quoting scriptures. I'm just showing using scriptures to explain the thing to you. Is it too difficult to understand? Uh-huh. Charlie, the thing is real, though. It's real. Don't just be moving around, shaking yourself. Like you are, you are, you are. One, you are. There's something ahead. Okay? And they must put some kind of carefulness in you. He says, and the sea gave up the dead. Let's read from verse 11 so we understand it better. Okay. I will talk about judgments next week. We are going to use this scripture very, very much. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. He's talking about God sitting on a white throne, judging the universe. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open. You see, he must do it according to the books. That's like a, a judge or judge according to the books. <laughs> so same thing. They looked at God and did the same. Since the books were open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. No Christian is judged here because all Christians miss this judgment by virtue of accepting Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. If you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior and believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, this particular judgment is not for you. You will be judged at another place called the Bema Seat. We'll talk about that next week, okay? But all those who did not receive Christ or did not walk in the way of the Lord before Christ came, both before Christ and after Christ, shall be judged at this particular place. It's called the resurrection. The judgment is the same as the resurrection for them. Our resurrection is different from their resurrection. Our resurrection is at least a thousand years before this supposed resurrection. Yes, a thousand years before this supposed resurrection. Now, this, these guys will be raised from the dead. Immediately raised from the dead. They will be raised from the dead at the judgment seat, the white throne judgment. Then, then, it says, and the sea gave up the dead. I've explained this so many times. The sea gave up the dead. They are those who are stuck up in the sea, not people who died in the sea. Anybody who is a man and died in the sea will end up in hell if he didn't believe in Jesus. If he died in the sea and was a Christian, he will go to heaven. He doesn't remain in the sea. His body is what is in the sea. Do you understand? But he himself is not in the sea. The sea that we are seeing was the judgment of the old. If you read in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and verse 2, you realize that there was, a, there was a water that was used to destroy the earth. God made a good earth and a good heaven. All of a sudden in verse 2, you realize that it says, and there was darkness upon the face of the earth. He's talking about the waters that was used to destroy the, 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 the earth. Not Noah's water. This is different. This was water before Noah's own. Then God repaired the heavens and the earth. So the creation we see in the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 coming down, from verse 3 coming down, is actually not a creation. It's a renovation. God just renovated the earth. Go to verse 9. Go to verse 9. You see what I'm talking about. And God said, let the waters under heaven be gathered together unto one place. There was water already on the earth when God was doing this. Says, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so, because the dry land was there already. He created the dry land in Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Period. Then verse 2 says, And the earth was without form. The word was, it became. The earth became. It moved from its nice stage to become without form and void. God didn't create an earth without form and void. He created an earth with form and with beauty. Do you understand? Something happened. That's where Lucifer and all those people are discussed. 
It's called the gap theory. People say that it's about 5.9 billion years ago because the earth, the earth, the half-life of the earth is close to 6 billion. But man, in this form, in the form that we are seeing here, me and you sitting here with the eyes, two eyes, legs and all that, have been on earth for just 6,000 years. We just have been around for 6,000 from Adam. 6,000 years ago, Adam was created. So now, our half-life does not date beyond that. But the earth has been there since 6 billion years ago. And there were dinosaurs and all those things here. They have found their fossils. They have found their bones. And their bones, some of their bones are 3 billion years old. Some are 5 billion. They were there before we came. But they were destroyed with the water that was, was it's called the, the, the ice age. Have you heard of the ice age before? There was so, many, so much water here, the darkness caused the water to become ice. It's all in the Bible. So when God was recreating, he was just renovating. So he said that all the water that is on the earth should gather because the whole earth was covered with water. So God pushed all the water somewhere and he said, let the dry ground, the dry land appear. And it was so. Look at the next verse, verse 10. And God called the dry land earth. So the earth you are standing on has been there for a long time. It wasn't created here. It was created in verse 1. It was just called back out of the water in verse 10. And God called the dry land earth, and the earth, the gathering together of the waters, called he seas. And God saw that it was good. So he gathered all the water and called it sea. The water that was used to destroy the earth at that time is the same water that we are seeing at the seashore right now. That is why there are all types of things in there. And that is why it tastes salty. It is for preservation. They are preserving some things inside. There are beings inside that are being preserved unto the day of the, their actual resurrection. Are you listening to me? So we hear of mame water and papa water and all the waters you have heard before. There is a very serious truth to it. It's not a lie at all. It's not a lie at all. The only lie is that they don't have any influence on this earth. That's the only lie. But they are there. They are in there. They are beings in the sea. That are not seen. You can go and look for them in the sea. You will not find them. The sea is used to, to seal them. as spiritual. That is why in the new Jerusalem, look at Revelation chapter 21 verse 1. In the new earth and the heaven, there is no sea. He says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. Why? Because the function of the sea had, had finished. It was finished. There was no need for any sea anymore. So, go back to Revelation 20, what we're reading, verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead. The sea did what? It gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Because hell also keeps another group of people all together. Those who had died on their way to hell are in death. So death also gave them up. They were on their way to hell. At that time, God was going to judge. So death delivers up the, the dead. Hell also delivers up the dead that are in it. And then... The sea also gives up the dead. Hell is cast into the lake of fire after everything. Look at it. It says, which were in them? And they were judged every man according to their works. Next verse. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Since this is the second death. So even the hell that they are in, it will be cast into the lake of fire. Verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is very serious. You shouldn't be moving around without telling somebody about Jesus Christ though. Because it's a very serious thing. Lake of fire is their end. They'll be resurrected on that day. They'll be giving their, their bodies will be given back to them. And they'll be brought to God. And God will judge them according to the books. There's a book of life. If your name is not found there, then they'll come to the other books. To see if your, your righteousness on earth will measure up to the righteousness of Christ. Which is not possible. It's not possible. 
you, your righteousness cannot measure up to the righteousness of Christ. So it's either you accept the righteousness of Christ now as a child of God and become a child of God, or you face the judgment on that day on your own. Are you listening to me? So it's in your own interest to give your life to Christ. If you have not given your life to Christ yet, today you have to give your life to Christ. It's very important because the lake of fire is, is beaming for you. The lake of fire has not been made yet. It's not been made yet. It's not, it's not anywhere. It's yet to be made. It is a lake of fire because the world before we came was destroyed with water, isn't it? It's a lake. The world that we are in is reserved unto fire. So it is the, the, the lake of fire is the judgment. It's the putting together of the two judgments, two temporal judgments to form the eternal judgment. So it's called a lake of fire because of the old. The old people are going to be judged there. The new people are also going to be judged there. And then they'll stay there forever. There's, no, there's nothing like staying in the lake of fire for 20 years. Some people are preaching that you've been in the lake of fire for 20 years. It's a big life from the pit of hell. You better not believe that. If you believe that, you will not be moved to preach the gospel to anybody. You will be sitting down because you think that oh, they'll just suffer for 20 years. There's nothing like that. Eternity means eternity. Don't you understand eternity? Or you don't understand eternity? So it's in your own interest. That's the resurrection of the unjust. They'll be resurrected. And their resurrection is unto damnation. As soon as they are resurrected, the next thing is damnation. No discussion. Damnation straight. So we must care about souls. We must care. We must pray. That's why we must pray. That people will be born again. Do you understand? That's why we come for prayer meeting and we're praying like that. We pray the way we pray. Not because we don't know what we are talking about. We know what we are talking about because there's something great that is ahead. There's something wild that is coming up. And we must do something to save Men, the next type of judgment is called the resurrection of the just. Say the resurrection of the just. The resurrection of the just. It's also called the resurrection of life. Okay? The resurrection of life. And also called the resurrection unto commendation. Commendation. The first one is, on the unjust is condemnation. But ours is unto commendation. will be commended. And it is for Christians it is for Christians. The first thing is that it's, called the, it's also called the resurrection of life. It's also called the resurrection unto commendation. And it is for Christians. And occurs a thousand years before the resurrection of the unjust. It occurs a thousand years before the resurrection of the unjust. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 13 to verse 14. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor. This is Jesus talking. He says, if you do a party, call the poor people the lame and the blind, and feed them. Let them be at the party, not for your friends. And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense you. They cannot give you anything back. For thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. You shall receive your reward at the resurrection of the just. So the just are resurrected for the purpose of rewards. They are given rewards. Not taken to the lake of fire. When they are brought back to life, they are brought back to life for their rewards. Now, everybody's living. When I say brought back to life, I'm talking about brought back in their body. Everybody's alive. All those who are in hell are alive. They are not dead. Men actually don't die. Men live. Are you listening to me? If someone died today, the person is actually just, he has just checked out of this body, but he's alive. So when I say when he's brought back to life, don't think that he wasn't living before. He's living. Just that he's in a state where this body is not. One day, this body will join him in that state. God is wise. God does not waste anything. This body was not meant to be wasted. It was meant to be used forever. So you use it forever. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Just like it will be different. It will be in a different state. It will not have the limitation it has now. Okay? So that's what Jesus said. Look at John 5, 28, 29. I mentioned this already, but let's read it again. John 5, 28, 29. Marvel not at this, for the eyes coming in there, which all that are in the grave shall hear my voice. All that are in the grave shall hear his voice. And shall come forth. They shall all come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. So there's a resurrection of life. Okay? Resurrection of life. Now, in the resurrection of the just, there are two aspects as well. <laughs> two aspects of the resurrection of the just. The first one is called the first fruits resurrection. The second one is called the harvest resurrection. Okay? Harvest. First fruits and then harvest. It's explained with the harvest cycles of the Jews. The harvest cycles of the Jews. So let's pick the, fair, the very first one. So now, right, right now, we're talking about good people. We are talking about Christians or people who follow the Lord. Abraham was not a Christian because he didn't have the opportunity to believe in Christ because Christ was not there. He lived in expectation, in hope of the, of the coming of Christ. That was, what, that was how he lived. He never saw Christ for himself. And he could never believe in Jesus because Jesus didn't exist at that time as Jesus. He existed as the Word. So Abraham believed in the coming seed. It's called the seed, the coming of the seed. Noah moved. Noah never, Noah came before Abraham. Noah even didn't know about the seed. He didn't even know about the seed. You see, but Noah believed in the God of the universe and believed when he heard him that he should build the ark. He heard him that he should build the ark. And so he moved with fear and built the ark. That was Noah's faith. And that was Noah's righteousness. Are you listening to me? Cain and Abel, what was the differentiating thing between Cain and Abel? It wasn't Jesus Christ. Jesus was not there at that time. The differentiation between them was a sacrifice unto God. Cain and Abel are sons of Adam. Adam knew God and spoke to him face to face. Adam knew God and spoke to him face to face. And Adam lived until the days of Methuselah. Enoch met Adam. Adam lived very long. Check the age calculation. Adam lived more than 900 years. So check. Check, check your Bible. You'll see that as when Enoch was born, Adam was there. And when Methuselah was born, Adam was there. And he was telling everybody what to do. He knew God. So he gave them information concerning God. He told them how to get close to God again. He told them about the nice life that he had in the Garden of Eden. And how he lost, he lost it. And how they were in the condition they were in. He was teaching them. They knew. So he would sit in the neighborhood and teach them. This is what happened. This is what happened. This is what you're supposed to do to get close to God and hear his voice once again. God says you should sacrifice unto him. So it's called the dispensation of sacrifice. We should sacrifice unto him. Our acceptance to God is based on sacrifice. When Adam sinned, Adam took fig leaves and covered himself. That was the first thing he did. He took fig leaves. Fig leaves represent the works of man. He was trying to use his own works to please God. And God didn't like it. That's why when Jesus came, he cursed the fig tree. Because figs represent the, the works of man. You can't use your, use your works to meet God. Don't think that your righteousness and your good deeds is what will meet God and help for God to not judge you on that day. No. God has his own standards. You better believe in what God says rather than what you think. So Adam told them that when I, when I sinned, I used fig leaves to cover myself. God took the fig leaves away and killed the lamb and used the, the skin of the lamb to cover me. He shed blood so that I'll be covered. So now the way to be covered by God is by shedding blood, not through plants. When he said it, Cain disobeyed it. Cain heard it, like some people hear the word they go, and disobey it. Have you realized that you, too, you can disobey God like that? Uh-huh. 
Cain did that. Cain heard what Adam said and disobeyed. So he went to bring fruits from his garden. The fruits were not rotten. They were correct fruits. They were good fruits. But that is not what God was looking for. God wanted a lamb. God wanted blood. And Abel responded to God by shedding blood. When he shed blood, God says that Abel is now accepted before me. Abel is declared righteous. To be declared righteous means to be accepted before God. Abel is now accepted before me. But Cain I have rejected. Because he didn't obey what was said. So Abel became righteous. Cain became something else and ended up somewhere else. And a lot of people follow the way of Cain. Others follow the way of Abel. Throughout to Jesus King. I sing it. All those who are just are going to have the resurrection of the just. All those who are unjust, according to God's laws that he gave at that time. So your great, 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 great grandfather may not have known Jesus. Maybe your great, 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 great grandfather was not living in Ghana. Maybe he was living in Ethiopia and migrated to Ghana that time. If you should trace your roots, you'll be surprised where you're actually coming from. You'll be shocked that you're actually not Ghanaian. You are something else. We are all one. We are all from Adam. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What am I saying? First fruits resurrection. This one has happened already. It has happened. This one is yet to happen, but this one has happened already. And this represents the resurrection of Christ. Okay? The resurrection of Christ. <laughs> Jesus has already experienced resurrection. He's risen from the dead. And amazingly, Jesus did not rise alone. He rose with plenty other people. Jesus rose with all those who were before him. Now, before Jesus came, there was a place in the land of the dead. There's a place called the land of the dead. Say the land of the dead. The land of the dead dead has four chambers. The first chamber is called paradise, which later became Abraham's bosom because Abraham sought for a city whose maker and builder was God. Abraham was looking for a land, not Canaan. Abraham was not looking for Canaan. The promise that God gave to Abraham was not Canaan. It was something higher. And Abraham knew it. So he lived in expectation of that higher thing, which was the land of the dead and beyond. Do you understand? Yeah. So even though he didn't, he, people were there before he got there, when he got there, they named it after him. So paradise became named Abraham's bosom. If you read about the rich man and Lazarus, you see that particular statement being made. If you've noticed, well, the Bible says Lazarus was Abraham's bosom. It's not talking about Abraham's chest. Nobody can sit in Abraham's chest. It's the name of the place. Okay? He was there, yet he could see the rich man. And the rich man could see him. And there was just a great gulf. They were in the same location, just that there was a great gulf fixed between them. Very huge chasm that nobody could cross from here to the other side or from the other side to the other side. But they could see each other. So in the land of the dead, there was paradise or Abraham's bosom. And then there was hell, where the rich man was. Then there's a place called Tartarus. Tartarus, where wicked angels are kept. Angels who were, which were judged. Angels who rebelled with Lucifer, who became Satan, are kept. If you read in 2 Peter 2, you'll see some there. It talks about hell. But the word hell there is not the same word translated hell in every other place. The word hell there is Tartarus or Tartaro. Have you heard of Tartarus? If you watch Greek mythology, you hear of Tartarus. If you watch Achilles or uh, Hercules, you will see that Tartarus is mentioned. You hear Cronus being mentioned as the father of Zeus. 
They know what they are talking about. They are not joking. They know about the land of the dead. Okay? So the starter was where angels, wicked angels are kept. Some are more wicked than Satan. Second Peter 2, 4. Killers. They are wilder. They are wilder than, they are wilder than Lucifer. Wilder. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. What is the word hell there? Tataru. What does it mean? The name of the subterranean region, doleful and dark, regarded by Asian Greeks as the abode of the wicked dead. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, the word hell is Tataru. It's not the same hell, word for hell. You can look for another place where he talks about hell. You realize that it's not, he talks about Hades. Hell is translated as Hades, the land of the dead. Okay? And deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So they are there waiting for their judgment on that day. On that day, angels will also be judged. Do you know who will judge angels? Uh-huh. We'll be judging some of these angels. So they'll come and say, you, you are a very bad angel. Go here. Like that. We'll judge angels. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there's Tartaru. Four places. Abraham's bosom or paradise. Then hell. Then Tartarus or Tartaru. Then, the last one is Abusus or Abyss. The Abyss is called the bottomless pit. Nobody's there now. Satan will be put there for 1,000 years. He will fall for 1,000 years. Go to Revelation chapter, Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. Am I saying things you never thought existed in the, in the, in the world? It's amazing. They're all in the Bible. Wow. This is how you have the word, isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. So we want to learn some things in the Bible. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit. Is it Abusos or Abyss? Abusos. Abusos. It means Abyss. Bottomless pit. It says, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So he will be bound a thousand years in Abusos. It's a bottomless pit. And an angel, it's not God who does it, it's an angel who does it. Meaning that the devil and God, they are not on the same class at all. So stop being afraid of the devil. It's an angel, a great angel that comes and he just binds, he holds him like a dog. He binds him and chains him and puts him there in the bottomless pit. For 1,000 years, so that is bottomless, it's bottomless, no bottom. Do you understand bottom? No, no, there's no bottom. So he'll be falling for 1,000 years. The devil will be shouting, falling. You know when you're falling, you're shouting. He will fall at 1,000 years. Then after the 1,000 years, he'll be released. And that's the 1,000 years when we will be in the earth, judging the earth. Hallelujah. So, all those who were in Abusus, who were in uh, uh, Abraham's bosom, when Christ died, he went there to go and release all of them. All those who were just before Christ came. When Christ came and died and rose again, he rose again with all of them. Matthew chapter 27, let's read from verse 50. It's all in the Bible. Matthew 27, 50. And that is called the first, the first fruits of the resurrection, which has already happened. And it happened when Christ was resurrected. So Christ is the first of the first fruits. You understand? Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. Next verse. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth quake did quake, and the rocks rent. When Jesus died, there was a lot of earthquake, wild things. And the graves were opened. All the graves in Israel were opened. And all the graves in the world were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept, many bodies of the saints which were dead, arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. 
So when he died, the graves opened, but nobody came out. The power of his death caused the graves to open. The power of his resurrection caused all of them to come back to life. He says, and they came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. So many people appeared in Israel on that day in Jerusalem. The holy city is Jerusalem. They appeared in Jerusalem the day Jesus rose on the dead and showed themselves. And they appeared unto many. They showed themselves unto many people. Yet Israel has not changed. You'll be, you'll be, someone will be farming and then Moses will just appear. <laughs> oh, hey, Christ has arise. We are back from the dead. Joshua, Job, Solomon, whatever. All those people. Sarah. Eh? Oh, even Abraham was part. Samson. All of those guys who were in the Old Testament. All of them rose again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is Christ. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's read from verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. He's become the first fruit of them that had died. Next verse. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Verse 23. But every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits. After what they that are Christ's at his coming. So Christ is the first fruit, but he didn't rise alone. You see, it's because of what Christ was fulfilling. Okay. Um, there are feasts in Israel. There are seven feasts in Israel. The first one is called the Feast of the Passover. Christ died as a Passover lamb. The Passover happened when Moses and Israel were coming out of Egypt. They had to kill a lamb. Okay. And use the blood to mark their signposts. Do you remember? Uh-huh. That lamb is called the Pascal lamb. The Pascal lamb is sacrificed at 3 p.m. Christ died at exactly 3 p.m. Wow. At exactly 3 p.m. he gave up the ghost. Because he's a Pascal lamb. He's a Passover. Okay? So Christ died to fulfill that feast of the Passover. The next feast, the next day of the Passover is the feast of unleavened bread. Living means sin. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me, let me just read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read from verse 6. 1 Corinthians 5, 6. Your glory is not good. Know you not that a little living, living in the whole lamb. Next verse, verse 7. Purge out therefore the old living that you may be a new lamb as ye are unliving. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. I've explained that to you, isn't it? Next verse. Therefore, let us keep the feasts. Not with old living. Passover was kept with a certain feast called the living, uh, unliving, the feast of unleavened bread. It says, not with the old living, neither with the living of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Okay? So Christ also fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread because he was the sacrifice that did not have sin in it. Living represents sin. It says living of malice and all that and wickedness. Do you remember? So Christ was without wickedness, without malice, and gave his life. So in his burial, in Christ's burial, he fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread. Then in his resurrection, he fulfilled the, the feast of the sheath of the first fruits of the barley. <laughs> okay, in Christ's resurrection, he fulfills three feasts, Passover, unleavened bread. The last one is the feast of the sheath of the first fruits of the barley. Okay, barley is wheat. Mm? The Jews normally plant wheat. So their harvest cycle was fulfilled by Christ because those were the feasts that they used to celebrate. Now, the feast of the sheaf of the first fruits of the barley. 
The word sheaf here means a bundle, a sheaf mm, together. Now in the Old Testament, when the, this celebration is going to happen, the priest will go to the field and look for the, 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 the wheat that has matured. There are wheat that mature faster than the normal wheat. And then he will harvest all of them. He doesn't harvest just one. He harvests all of them and binds them together. And he will take them to the temple. That one is for God. It's the first fruits. And that's for God. I listen to me. Uh-huh. And when he's offering it to God, he offer it with a lamb to God. So the sheaf of the first of the barley are all the people who rose from the dead. Go to Acts chapter 1 verse 9. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 9. This one talks about the day Jesus, when Jesus rose from the dead and was going back to heaven. When he was going back to heaven, he, there was a cloud. It says, and when he had spoken these things, while they, were, they beheld, he was taken up. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and then he was taken up. And as he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. A cloud received him. The cloud is not the cloud that is up here. He's talking about something more. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It's called the cloud of witnesses. So the angels said to them, there were angels who appeared to the disciples as they were looking at Jesus go. They were shocked. They were astonished. The they were astonished. Why? Because they saw a great spectacle. They saw Jesus with plenty of people in the skies going into the, into the heavens. And they were shocked. And then they looked, as they were looking, two men who are actually angels appeared by them and said to them that, why are you gazing into the skies as though uh, 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 something is happening? Why stand you gazing up into, the, into heaven? This same Jesus, this same Jesus you have seen go which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner. He shall come in the exact manner that he was taken. Not same way, like he was taken up this way, so you come this way. No. He's talking about manner, the manner in which he was taken. Same manner, and in like manner, come back as you have seen him go into heaven. How is he going to come? Jude 1, verse 14. Look at Jude 1, 14. And Enoch also, the servant from Adam, prophesied of this, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh. With what? With ten thousands of his saints. He cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Why? Because he was taken away with ten thousands of his saints. So he shall come in like manner with ten thousands of his saints. So that's the resurrection of the first fruits. Okay? The first fruits resurrection. It has happened already. Let me show you. Christ is called the firstborn from the dead. Because he's the first fruits. Colossians chapter, chapter 1 verse 18. Colossians 1 18. And he's the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead? Have you seen it? He's the firstborn, so he's the first one to come out of the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. The firstborn from the dead. Look at Revelations 1, verse 5. Revelations 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, the firstborn of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to verse 7. Verse 7 is nice. Says, behold, he cometh. This is also a description of Jesus' coming. Says, behold, he cometh with clouds. Have you seen it? He cometh with what? Clouds. How, how did he go? With clouds. He's going to come back with clouds. Who are the clouds? Ten thousands of the saints. Behold, he cometh with clouds. And every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so. Amen. Like I said earlier, um, Christ's coming is in twofold. The second coming of Christ is two. There's the public coming and the private coming. The private coming of Christ is for his own. And that comprises the resurrection of the just of the harvest. Okay? It will happen at the private second coming of Christ. So this one is yet to happen. It hasn't happened already. It is yet to happen. 
And that is what is called the hope of the church. This is the hope of the church. This one has already happened, so it's not the hope of the church. The church shall be raptured here at the private second coming of Christ. Okay? The private one happens before the public one. Christ will come for us. He will take us to heaven. We'll be with him. He'll give us our rewards. We'll receive our resurrected body just when he comes. We'll stay with him. He'll give us our rewards. And then we'll come back on earth and rule the earth for 1,000 years. After the 1,000 years, then everybody else is resurrected. Because everybody else will be resurrected is going to be judged as unjust and taken to hell. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 to verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. Can you read it to me? One to go. shall descend from heaven with a shout and the dead in Christ next verse then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord verse 18 wherefore comfort one another with these words I sing it. Isn't it powerful? Just comfort one another with these words. So there's a day coming when there's a trump. A trumpet will actually sound. We'll all be moving around here. All of us are moving, doing our various things. Then a trumpet will sound. Pana, papana, 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 pa. It will happen. But it is not every ear that will hear the trumpet. It is the ears of those who are designed to go that will hear the trumpet. And when they hear the trumpet, they shall be taken. So what will happen is that Jesus will come. Go back to verse 16. Before Jesus rose from the dead, okay, people had died already. And they were in the, in the land of the dead at paradise waiting. Jesus came. He took all of them out. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about it. He led captivity captive. He led the train of vanquished foes and all that. He took them out of prison and then gave them their body, resurrected bodies. And then they went to heaven. Okay? Now, after Christ had done that. All those who died after Christ came. Their bodies are still here on earth. Their bodies are lying somewhere in the earth. But they have not experienced their resurrection yet. So someone may be born again, but will die today. Our mommy, our grandmother just died. Where she was buried yesterday. Her body is still here on earth. But her spirit and her soul are not here. Her spirit and her soul are in heaven with the Lord. But without her glorified body. Her body is still here. So on the day that Christ comes for those of us who are alive, if Christ should come today, he will be coming for those of us who are alive. But when he's coming, he will come with all those who have died without and have their bodies here. All of them will come into the skies. In that, resur- in that resurrection, in that coming of the Lord, he doesn't step on the earth. He stays in the skies. Okay? And then whilst he's in the skies, all those who he comes with into the skies, they will all come to come and receive their body. So all their bodies will resurrect from the ground. Even if the person died 5,000 years ago, and he died there, let's say it's been 2,000 years since Christ died, so he died 1,800 years ago, and his grave is not found. His body particles are in the sun somewhere. It's either it's in a building, someone's building somewhere, or something. But all the sun are still here on earth. All he needs is one particle, or a coding of the DNA. The body will come back. Wherever the body is, it will come back together, and it will be caught up into him, with him in heaven. So he will meet his body, and then he will get his resurrected body. Are you getting it? 
Uh-huh. It will happen in the air. So he says that for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise. The dead in Christ shall rise first. They shall receive their resurrection first. Next verse. Then we which are alive and remain. So those of us who are alive and are here and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So those of us here shall change. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 52. He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of a night, the word moment is atom, atomos. That's a Greek word, atomos. It means an indivisible moment. Like, before you realize it has happened. He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the twinkle of an eye is different from the blink of an eye. A blink of an eye is 10 to the power negative 11 of a second. A twinkle of an eye is 10 to the power negative 35 of a second. So, in less than a blink of an eye, before we blink, everybody is gone. All those who are alive and remain will have, he says, for in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. We shall undergo, because we are not dead, so we will undergo a change. So this body shall undergo a change, and we shall be changed. Next verse. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. We shall just be caught up, like that, in less than a blink of an eye. Blink your eye, let's see. You see how fast it is? It will be, it, this, will be, this is twinkling of an eye. It's not going to be a small thing. Then we are gone. And we will not leave our clothes here. The clothes will vanish. So they may not know where we have gone to. The way they do their movies, they just use their mind to see that the clothes, the clothes the, everything will vanish. Everything is gone. People will be flying planes. There will be great chaos. It will usher in the greatest chaos in the world. People, someone will be flying a plane. The pilot, one of the pilots is a child of God. The other one is not. Or both of them are. They are gone. The plane is coming down. Yeah. Some of being in a VIP bus, the driver is driving, he's changing the gear, he has to change the gear. Pa! It's gone. The rest we are finished. So that day there will be a great ushering into hell of many. Yes. Many people will die on that day. It is not a story. You know, a lot of things in the Bible look like stories, but they are not stories, they will happen. The same Bible, the Bible says so many things that it's, it goes on to say that some people are saying that why is it that Jesus has taken so long in coming? Since the, the fathers fell asleep, since they died, the world has continued till date. What are you talking about? There's no resurrection, there. nothing's going to happen because we are still here. He says, this they are ignorant of. That the world that way was also like that. Do you know how many years Noah preached? Noah preached for 120 years. Noah preached for 120 years of the coming flood. 120 years. Do you know 120 years? So he started with year one. It had never, and it had never rained before. At that time, it had never rained before. The rain, there was no rain. There was mist. It will come out from the ground and it will water the earth. The fruits were different. The fruits were, they had nicer fruit. And that's why they were living longer. But God was going to bring the rain. And Noah said, God is going to bring rain. They said, oh, you are lying. He started preaching from day one. First year from day one. Pretty strong that rain is coming. It's going to destroy everything. They said, you are joking. First year, it didn't happen. Second year, it didn't happen. Third year, it didn't happen. Fourth year. At that time, they lived very long, very long. 120 years later. That was when it came. So don't think that God is slack concerning his promises and what he says he will do. It will happen live. And college. Say college. It will happen. Okay? So we are expected to be taken. But in the taking, there are differences. Hallelujah. 
There are differences. We all receive a resurrected body. If you're a child of God, you qualify to be part of this harvest. But the unfortunate thing is that in the harvest, there are types. In the harvest, there's the first fruit of the harvest. Then there's the harvest of the harvest. Then there's the gleaning of the fields or the corners. <laughs> so that one is raptures. So in a rapture, it's not once. Phew. If you check the Bible, you realize that there are differences in the raptures. Some people will be taken at this day. Some people will be left. Some Christians will be left because they are not yet matured. Do you eat unripe mangoes? How many of you like eating unripe mangoes? When you go under a mango tree, you just take the unripe ones and you eat it. A mango. I don't know if you ever heard that song. Listen, Jesus is not coming for a church that is not ripe or that is not matured. He's coming for a church that is matured. Your maturity is important or else you'll be left behind. That left behind thing they have been saying it is true. You dear, be there. That's why I'll talk about raptures very, very soon. There are differences. It's supposed to be like that, but it don't happen like that. Some people will be left behind. And the tribulation is what will mature them. The pressure. I don't know if you've ever seen them keeping mango under cloth for the heat under the cloth to mature it quickly. So you'll be kept, Christians will be kept under pressure so that they can mature quickly and then God will come for them. So in the midst of the tribulation, there's something called pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, and post-tribulation rapture. Hey, you know the joke. Yes, plenty. They are pe- so it's not going to be just at once. But for now, let me explain it as once. All of us are going. Hallelujah. Say all of us are going. So when all of us go, by faith. Say by faith. By faith. Uh-huh. Some Christians will be left though. Some Christians will be left. When they do papana, some people will be, they will not hear the trumpet because their ears are not trained to hear anything. Their ears were trained to hear only Shatawali. Their ears were only trained to hear Rihanna and Kim Kardashian and yeah, I mean, you're a Christian, but you are living your own way. You are living according to your own standards. Do you think you will go like everybody else? No. It's only those who are serious who will go. It's only those who are saying Maranatha. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. That used to be the greeting of the people of old. They used to say Maranatha. They were living in expectation of the coming of the Lord. But not in our time. Some are saying, don't come, Lord. We don't, don't, don't come, Lord. That was a greeting. They were living a serious expectation of the coming because resurrection was preached constantly to them at that time. So everybody was living in expectation of the Lord. But now it's not, it's not like that because we don't talk about this anymore. So let's say we are all taken. Thank God, we are all taken. If we are all taken, there's a differences in the resurrected body. So the next thing I want to talk about is differences in the resurrected body. Differences in the resurrected body. Differences in the resurrected body. The body that you receive will not be the same. It will not be the same. How your resurrection is going to be like is dependent on you and what you did with your time on earth. Some people say that Bob Marley received Christ on his dying bed and died before he died. So there's a probability, high probability that Bob Marley is in heaven. All those of you are following him. Be warned. Even Gandhi... There are reports concerning Gandhi that he just chose Hinduism because of India. He was afraid to declare his actual belief. But those who were closest to him knew that he was a Christian. 
He became a Christian at a point in his life. So the thing is not about looking at somebody and Marcus Gavi believed this. Hill Selassie believed this. Malcolm X believed this. This one, sorry. Hill Selassie was a Christian. Can you imagine? But some people are smoking weed because Rastafari, <laughs> Hill Selassie. Madness. Be there. Tell your neighbor, be there. Yeah. It's personal. Though. Okay, so let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 to 54. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. We just read it, but then let's read it once again. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment, the twinkle of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Then it says, and we shall be changed. Then it says, for this corruptible, this body, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So mortality shall be swallowed up of life. Uh, next verse. So when this corruptible, corruptible have put, shall have put on incorruption, and the, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So this, what he's saying is that this mortal, this is mortal, mortal means death bound, it will die, but it shall put on immortality. Okay? Yeah. So we shall receive a resurrected body. I've showed you that already. Now, same book, same chapter, verse 41. Let's read from verse 41. In the resurrected body, there are differences. Okay? There are differences. Let's read from verse 40. I think it would be nice from verse 40. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. There are celestial bodies or heavenly bodies, and there are terrestrial bodies, earthly bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. So the resurrected body has a certain type of glory. It has glory. Its, it's glory is higher than the terrestrial one that we have, which is this one. Do you understand? Yeah. It's called the building of God. This one is called the tabernacle that we live in. Second, go to 2 Corinthians 5.1. 2 Corinthians 5.1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, this is called tabernacle, tent, were dissolved, if it were dissolved, we have a building of God. So what we have in the heavens is a building. This will change from being a tabernacle. Tabernacle is not permanent. You don't live in tent. Do you live in tent? You know, if you live in a tent, it means that it's temporary. Is it true? It's just like living in a kiosk. It's temporary. When you build your own building, that one is permanent. So he says that what we have is a tabernacle or a tent, but we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It is in the heavens, and it is going to come for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, go back to uh, 41, 15, 41, 1 Corinthians 15, 41. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon. Read the rest of me. Next verse. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. So he says that there's one glory of the sun, and there's another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. And one star differs from another star in glory. They say so also is the resurrection. In the resurrection, there are differences. The bodies are different. Go to Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 and verse 3. Daniel 12, 2 and 3. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. I read this to you earlier, isn't it? Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Next verse. And they that be wise, those that are wise, shall what? Shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever. So it's not everybody who will be a star in the resurrection. They are all the resurrections for Christians, but some of the Christians will shine as stars. Some of them will shine as the sun. Some of them will shine as the moon. Go to Matthew. Let me show you some more. Matthew chapter 13 from verse 40. 
to verse 43. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. He's talking about the end of this world for every other person. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. That's the lake of fire type of uh, baptism of fire. You remember? There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Verse 43. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun. So there are some righteous people who shine forth as the sun. Some will shine as the stars. Some will shine as the sun. This, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who has ears to hear? Hallelujah. Let him hear. So what are we saying? In the resurrected body, there are differences. There are differences. If you look at the stars in the night, you would think they are all the same. But they are not. Antares is different from Betelgeuse. There are so many of them. So many stars and so many suns. There are so many suns. You know there are so many suns in the, in, the, in, the, in the system. We are in the solar system. And this is our sun. Our sun is what comes up. But there are so many suns. There are so many suns that are in different galaxies. Plenty. In different stars. Plenty. Okay? Same way we are also going to be shining differently at different times. And it is dependent. Your glory is dependent on what you did in time. Time is for sowing. Eternity is for reaping. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Time is for sowing. Eternity is for reaping. So what you are doing today will determine how your resurrected body will look like. Those of you who are sacrificing for the Lord in various ways will have a certain type of resurrection. Those who are not doing anything for the Lord will also have a certain type of resurrection. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. When we talk about this, we talk about seed sowing. But it is more than seed sowing. Look at the next verse. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. What does it mean to sow to the flesh? All you think about is yourself. Your time, how you feel, where you are going, my education, my academics, my job, my wife, my husband, my children. You never think of what God thinks about. He says, you are sowing to the flesh, and you shall of the flesh reap corruption. Then he says, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. If you sow to the spirit, what does it mean to sow to the spirit? Preach the gospel. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. What does it mean to be wise? Bible says, he that witness souls is wise. You must be involved in what God is involved in. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever. Turn many to righteousness. If you turn many to righteousness, if you, you cause the salvation of many and raise, raise them in the Lord, it says, you shall shine as stars. So God has showed us what to do. It's not dependent on you. It's either you are sleeping or you are doing something for the Lord. When we say we are going for soul winning, don't sit down and say, me, I'm not that type. You are sowing to the flesh. You will see on that day. It will show in your body. We will see you on that day. When we see you, we don't have to talk. We'll see your body and we'll see what type of a person you were when you're on earth. We'll see you. You're only caring about your wig and your, and your nails, your fingernails. The guys are only caring about how they look. It's more than that. Life is more than that. Life is more than going to school eating and drinking, getting a job, marrying and having sex and giving birth to so many children. It's more than that. That is powerful. It's power. Those are, that's the natural life. But there's a, there's a supernatural life that God wants you to live. That is to live for him. Do you understand? Hmm. What should you do with your time? Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read for verse 1. Because your resurrected body is dependent on what you are doing with your time now. Hmm? 
Paul says, be followers of me, of God, as dear children. And walk in love. Walk in what? Walk in love. Towards all men. As Christ also loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He says, walk in love as Christ also has loved us. Christ didn't think about himself. Jesus said that whosoever keepeth his life shall lose it. A lot of us are keeping our lives. You don't want to do anything that will take something out of you for the Lord. Like if it is for the Lord, some, some people are, in, they can be in church for something and they are angry. They are not happy. Because it has nothing to do with them. If you are watching a movie, a series, you can watch a series from morning to evening and it's not a problem. That's what you do with your time. On the resurrection, you will see what you did with your time. It will show. You are not going to be punished, but you, your, you see, your, your shame will appear. You understand? What, you did, what did you do with your time? Says, let us live our lives for the Lord. Sacrifice for the Lord. Yesterday, some people were here. You know, people are, people are almost always around doing something for the Lord. Choiristers. People cleaning their chairs. People cleaning their toilet. People doing things. People doing various things. We are sending people to various places to preach. And they are preaching. They are doing it without complaining. They have a better resurrection because they have decided that they love the Lord so much. They will sacrifice as Christ sacrificed. Jesus was in glory. Jesus was the word of God in glory. He left his glory walking on the streets of gold and came down to come and walk on dust so that he can redeem and get us to the Lord. What are you also doing? What sacrifices are you making for the Lord's work to move forward? You, a lot of people are preserving their lives. A lot of Christians are preserving their lives. On that day to show. You are resurrected, but it will, show, it will show in your body. Don't be deceived. Next verse, verse 3. Verse more. But fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becoming saints. Neither filthiness. Eh? Don't spend your time in filthiness. Nor foolish talking. Nor jesting. Do you know jesting? Unnecessary message. Let's read message. Eh? I think it's nicer if you read some of those things. Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip. Christians have better uses for language than that. Eh? Do you, you see that? Let's read from a stray. I, I don't think you heard it. <laughs> don't allow love to turn into lust. Setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity. Filthy, <laughs> filthy practices of bullying greed. Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip. Christians have better uses for language than that. As a Christian, you shouldn't be using your, your tongue for gossip. It will show up on the day of your resurrection. When you show up, you will see gossip. Hey, now you're gossip. Don't talk dirty or silly. Dirty. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. This is what to do in time. The one who sows the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. The one who sows the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. It's up to you. Next verse. That's fine. You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations on idolatry, will get you nowhere. And certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. There are some people who are speaking in tongues, but they are foolish boys and girls. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk but want nothing to do with him. They have the religious jargons, but they don't want to do it, have anything to do with the Lord. They won't sacrifice for the Lord in any way, in any form. How can I take you to Kenya to go and preach? You will not go because your life is like my life is being spoiled. Where will my children go to school? They'll go to Nairobi MAGSS. No, no, I won't let them go. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious motor. They go to the next 
Next verse 7. It's, it's a long way. So don't even hang around people like that. Don't even hang around people like that. You groped your way through that mech once, but no longer. You are out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. Serve the Lord. Next verse. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Hmm? Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. Continue. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Next verse. Wake up from your sleep because a lot of Christians are asleep. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Let's read the King James from verse 15. From verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. Buy back the time. There's no time. The days you have now is for making your life fruitful and profitable to the Lord. Because on the day of the resurrection, it will show. What you did for the Lord will show. How you lived will show. There are so many scriptures. Let me just quote them for you. So that you write them down and go and read it. Okay? There's more. I was going to talk about Paul's resurrection. There's a better resurrection, the best resurrection, and then there's the extraordinary resurrection. These three. I'm just mentioning it for you. It's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. But you can read Romans chapter, chapter 13 from verse 8 to verse 14. What to do with your time? He's showing you what to do with your time. Romans 13, 8 to 14. Then you can also read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 4 to 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, from verse 4 to verse 11. Okay, Romans chapter 13, verse 8 to verse 14. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, from verse 4 to verse 11. Hallelujah. Have you learned anything so far? What should you do with your time? Do something with your life. Stop the gossip. The gossips will go up. Stop the lying. Stop the fornication. Stop the foolishness. And rather live for the Lord as God would have you to. Know the will of God and do it. Hmm? So that on the resurrection, first of all, you will go for the first one and not stay. If Christ should come today, where would you be? Where will you be? If you don't have resurrection in your mind, you will live anyhow. You will live anyhow. That's why he says that, listen, the grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared unto us, teaching us. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness. Denying what? Denying ungodliness. And worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Doing what? Looking for that blessed hope. We should live in this world like that. So don't, don't joke with your life. Okay? Yeah. Someone wants to sleep with you, tell the person, I don't want to joke with my life. I don't want it to appear on that day. If someone comes with a big gossip, Big, you know, some gossips are very attractive. So nice. It's like fufu with a you know, with all kinds of things inside. So nice. Like wild gossip. 
What, 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 what? Yes, 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 yes. This one, this one, this one. Tell them, I like my life. Start thinking, I love my life. I love my life. I love my life. I want a better resurrection. I don't want these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Rise up, put your feet and just thank God for what I share with you. Rise up, rise up and thank God. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.